0: Hey everyone, welcome to the I Dare You podcast. This podcast is all about you and helping you reach the big goals that you have for your life. And what next steps do you want to take to get there? And I'm your host, Darren Johnson. And welcome to episode 77. Can you believe it? 77 episodes in. If this is your first time here, welcome to you. And I'm glad you're here. If you like what you hear, I invite you to subscribe so you do not miss an episode. And check out some of the other episodes. Um, every guest is unique and special. we got another one coming up right now. Our guest is Tim Timberlake. Name sound familiar? It should. In fact, many of you already know Tim. He is the senior pastor of Celebration Church in Jacksonville, Florida, and Creedmoor, North Carolina. Now, he is a popular thought leader, and that's an understatement. On Instagram, he has over 1 million followers. At T Timberlake, I invite you to follow him. He is such a gifted communicator and a teacher. can communicate with people from all walks of life just an amazing sense of humor and he combines that with his in-depth Bible teaching and he gives the listener and the reader these practical tools to transform their lives from the inside out as you hear in the interview he's he's a husband also a dad now I mentioned Tim as a phenomenal communicator and uh, evidence of that is his brand-new book called the art of overcoming Letting God turn your endings into beginnings. You know, have you guys noticed that life is full of everyday setbacks? And we've learned over the years how to process these moments and then to move beyond them. But sometimes there are things that just take us to our knees. And the pain that we experience, it's real. But there's a difference, isn't there, between acknowledging it and giving into it. And that's where Tim and I spend a lot of time in this conversation. So whether you're going through small setbacks right now or something much bigger than that in your life, this conversation with Tim will speak to everyone a little bit differently. And we're gonna try something different, see how many people participate in this. We're just gonna have a little fun here. When you tag Tim Timberlake and at I Dare You Pod and share this on your Instagram, you have a chance to win a really cool prize. I will pick the winner at random And announce the winner on the July 18th broadcast. What can you earn? Really cool. You're going to earn an I Dare You podcast coffee mug. I know. Can you believe it? Exclusive merch. First time ever. You can't buy it, but I'm going to send you a mug. And also a copy of Tim Timberlake's new book, The Art of Overcoming. And I'm going to pick five random winners. So you got a good chance of winning this, you guys. So light up social media by tagging at I Dare You Pod and at Tim Timberlake with a screenshot of this episode or his book or something else on Instagram and have a chance to earn exclusive merch and his book, The Art of Overcoming. All right, I enjoyed this conversation. I hope you do too. Let's not wait any longer. Episode 77 is ready and here everyone is Tim Timberlake. Tim, welcome to the podcast. It is really good having you here.
1: Darren, it's such an honor and a privilege. Thank you for having me on. I dare you. I can't wait to unpack our conversation today.
0: All right. Well, here we go. Let's get into it. So you are a busy guy. You're your dad, your husband, you're a pastor. I'd like to learn a little bit more about how did you first get into um, this vocation, this calling of becoming a pastor? Where did it start?
1: Yeah, you know, funny enough, I never wanted to be a pastor. Uh, My parents were pastors, and uh, at the time they pastored, uh, our church quickly grew to becoming uh, the largest church in North Carolina in the 80s and uh, 90s up until really the early 2000s. And I just saw uh, kind of how people treated them. I saw the fishbowl that they lived in. <laughs> uh, they were also on global television every single day. And I uh, wasn't much privacy. They didn't have a lot of uh, time to themselves. Everything was uh, you know, lend it out to other people, it seems like. Uh, but somehow, some way, they kept this intimacy with uh, within their marriage. They kept an intimacy with us as their children. And they uh, made us feel like we were their priority. We got a chance to look under the hood at what they prioritized. And uh, for me, I just didn't like being in front of people like that. Uh, mm. And uh, I had no desire. I was really oh. good at basketball. And I played basketball, uh, got pretty good at it. And uh, basketball took me a lot of places, allowed me to go through a lot of incredible doors. And so my desire was to go overseas and play. And uh, my freshman year in college, uh, this is probably six months after my dad dies uh, after my 18th birthday. I'm sitting in my apartment and uh, I have this incredible, crazy a dream and that I was on a stage in front of all these people and it was the first time that I've heard the voice of God super, super clear and uh, it scared me. It, it freaked me out. I called my mom right after that. It was three o'clock in the morning, told her the to dream really? and she started laughing and uh, I was so confused at what she was laughing at because I was mortified and <laughs> she would proceed to tell me it was the exact dream my father had when God called him in the ministry Uh, That I did not know about.
0: Uh, Oh my God!
1: Leaving university that week, transferring to Bible College in Detroit, Michigan, and finishing up there. After I finished up there, I moved back home to pastor alongside of her. And uh, gosh, that was twenty years ago now,
0: Um, and
1: I've been pastoring ever
0: since. Wow, that's incredible. You know, I when we talk about having a calling, whether it's in a vocation or for ministry. Uh, very few times has it happened quite that clear. Would you agree with that? Oftentimes we hear, well, I didn't really know, but that sounds like a pretty clear signal. Yeah. If I had missed that, then I, I think <laughs> the outcome would have been a lot different than it is now. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. So now you, um, you, you, you're an author as well. And, your, your book, uh, The Power of 1440, was released a couple of years ago, I believe, mm-hmm. or last year. I, what I love about your teaching and about your speaking, and I've, uh, I've been learning a lot about you, is you have a really great way of storytelling and taking very simple things and just looking at it differently. Mm-hmm. And The Power of 1440, what is 1440? And why is that such an important, not a metaphor, but a reality? Yeah, so we have 1,440 minutes in every
1: single day and uh, a lot of times when we look at a day we look at it from a broader spectrum of 24 hours and 24 hours uh, it can seem like a long time if it's not stewarded the right way and what i wanted to do for readers is take them on a journey to understand that each minute can create a moment and the moments are what we really remember uh, and so how we steward those minutes determine the outcome of those moments and uh, my prayer for the reader is that those moments would become something so special uh, that they would want to recall it, remember it for the rest of their lives.
0: Yeah, it's a powerful book. And it's it's a great reminder that in every moment, we do have the power to make the most of it, be grateful for it. And you can also change the lives of others with each and every one of those moments. At least that's one of the things that I got from your book. Am I close?
1: Yeah, really close, man.
0: Spot on. So with that book, I'm always interested in in people like you. You've got a great perspective on things. You do a lot of teaching. Um, And why do you choose that particular angle to write on? Why was that particular book? And then we're going to talk about your new book, The Art of Overcoming. But The Power of 1440, why was that the one that really you gave your time and your energy to?
1: Yeah, whenever I write, I I want to write something um, that speaks to where people are, um, and also at the same time, speak to where I think people are headed. And when I was writing that book, uh, humanity viewed time in the format of a crisis. And uh, the way that we were spending our time and really stewarding our time was either we were hyper aware of it, or we were wasting it. There has to be um, you know, a priority, and I say priority because I don't believe that there's balance, at least in my life anyway, <laughs> yes. and so God doesn't get the same balance of time as everyone else. My wife doesn't get the same balance of time as strangers, and I wouldn't give the same balance of time to my son as I do someone else's kid, and so it's yeah. not really uh, balance from his priorities, and so just helping uh, people and readers reprioritize their time and to make us aware of how we are stewarding that time uh, so that we can benefit from it. And we're not looking back over our life and saying, man, I wish I had done that differently. And so for me, just writing something that I believe people uh, need and something I believe people are walking into. And it's the same thing with the art of overcoming Um, You know, if we live long enough, we will have things that we have to overcome, whether it's mental hurdles, insecurities, uh, whether it's physical sickness, relationships, uh, we will all have things that we have to overcome. And so I wanted to kind of write a blueprint, uh, a, a journal of things that I've had to overcome, the pains that I've had to navigate, and the different losses that I've suffered in this life, But allow the reader to know that as they go through these things or similar things or crisis or traumas, uh, that they too can make it out on the other side uh, with the help of God and some applicable
0: things that we can add to our lives. So you talked about you really don't have a lot of balance uh, with your time, and you're not apologizing for it. It sounds like you're just confronting it up front and real and saying, look, maybe balance isn't the way to look at it, but you brought up stewardship. I want to make sure I get this. The difference between trying to manage time and stewardship is what? The difference between trying to manage time and
1: steward it, uh, is, it's very difficult for us to manage what we don't control. So we don't, we don't have the opportunity to tell time to stop. Uh, we don't have the opportunity to tell time to slow down or speed up or rewind. So if we can't control it, it's very difficult for us to manage, but we can steward it. The difference between stewardship is being aware of how we utilize our time, how we spend our time, how we navigate time, It's one of the only things that we can look at and it still slips away from us. Uh, And and oftentimes when we are uh, not stewarding it or utilizing it the right way, we utilize the time that we have right now to think about the regrets of our past. Instead of thinking about those things, let's be focused on where God has us right here, right now. Squeeze the most out of it so that it becomes uh, a moment. And from that moment, we get movement. And that's the attempt that, uh, you know, I try to take readers on this journey with and, and the power of
0: 1440. And uh, for me, what I got out of it is then is the goal then for me would be looking back on life, making sure you've put your time and your talents in the areas that are most important to you and for your family. Um, anyway, so uh, fantastic, Tim. All right. Now uh, you have an additional you have a brand new book, The Art of Overcoming. And uh, same question. You you could write on anything, but why why this particular book? And what's what's the what's driving you to, to write this and to uh, you know give some ministry behind this? Yeah, statistically, uh, we have more depression
1: now um, that's been uh, proven and really cataloged uh, since the pandemic uh, than ever before. Uh, statistics say one in every four people are suffering from. Uh, depression. Uh, One in five people uh, are suffering from severe anxiety. Uh, About one in seven people uh, have reoccurring panic attacks. Mm. Um, So all of these uh, mental health crises are happening, um, and it seems like um, there are very few biblical resources on how to help us navigate it. Uh, One of the biggest misconceptions is is that I, I can just Uh, go through life with faith and not have these things bother me or bombard my mind. And that's just not the case. I believe uh, that Jesus is a healer, but I also believe that he's provided with us some incredible therapists and counselors and psychiatrists and doctors and some incredible resources to help us along this journey we call life. Uh, Mm -hmm. Jesus had Luke, and uh, Luke uh, was with Jesus for a number of different things, But I believe it's an indication to us that uh, Jesus desires for us to get the necessary help that we need uh, when we need it. Uh, And so there's uh, miracles that happen in an instant, and there's miracles that happen over time. And I believe that God works through doctors to uh, help us on this journey of discovering not only healing, but wholeness. And mental wholeness is a very, very pivotal key in that journey of a believer. And so Mm -hmm. the And so the art of overcoming is just that. It's a resource to help us navigate the various mental hurdles, the losses, uh, the grief, the disappointment, the frustrations, uh, you know, the the death of things uh, through the lens of faith and how we can both grieve and have gratitude at the same time and uh, understanding that although we're going through those things, that Jesus is with us every step of the way.
0: It's it's true. You can both can be true. You can have you know, grieving and grateful. And um, one of the 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 points in your book is that the with these endings there is there is a new beginning. Yeah, and that's sometimes easy to lose track of, isn't it?
1: It is. It, we we think because something is ending, it's the end. Yeah. And it's not necessarily the end. It's a transition. And I, I like to think of it this way: if uh, their door's closing. Uh, it's not a dead end, it becomes a hallway. And it leads me to an open door. And uh, if I continue to walk forward, if I continue to pursue after what God has in front of me, then I will walk through the door that he desires for me to walk through. And in life, it's it's the same way. We have a tendency of thinking because something is ending. That's it. That's the end. It's over. When in fact, it's not. It's a... Uh, 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 a redirector to what it is that God desires for us. And it doesn't negate the fact that it's painful. It doesn't deny the fact that it it cost us something, particularly when it's a friend or family member. Uh, But the fact that we're still here means that we get an opportunity to carry on the legacy of things that they've left and imparted in us. And so uh, if we can change our perspective, it helps us to change our reality a little bit.
0: Yeah, great point. You know, I've heard you say, or, or did you write it somewhere, but I wrote it down here. Uh, this is from you. Win some, learn some, but never lose. That's right. And tell me a little bit more about that, because part of what I got, gathered from your book was this whole really direct message of don't quit, do yeah. not quit. T- tell me a little bit more about that.
1: Yeah, so I, I not only pastor, I do a lot of coaching for C suite executives, a lot of coaching for professional athletes, people in the entertainment space. Uh, I'm also an entrepreneur. And probably 14 years ago, I had uh, a few locations of a restaurant that I owned. And really? it, yeah, it came to a point um, where I was at a fork in the road whether I would have to sell those restaurants? Or would I continue to kind of go down this adventurous trail of both pastoring and navigating uh, three locations? And so I prayed about it and really felt like God wanted me to transition out of that and uh, put my focus at the time solely on ministry and church. And so I was talking to a mentor, And I was just telling him, I feel like a failure in this. I feel like, man, it did not turn out the way that I had hoped and expected and anticipated. So why do you feel like a failure? I said, Well, because I failed. He said, No, you didn't fail. Did you learn something? And I said, Oh yeah, I learned, I learned a lot from this. I learned what not to do. I learned what to do. I learned what I would do differently if I had another opportunity. And he said to me, Well, you did not learn, you did not, you did not fail. You did not lose. And he said, You win some you learn some, but you never lose as long as you learn. And that stuck with me, uh, like meat on bones. And that's, <laughs> been, that's been my, my motto uh, ever since that conversation. In, in this life, there'll be plenty of opportunities for us to have our wins and uh, to discover uh, learning moments and opportunities for us to learn. But as long as we extract the gold out of those valley seasons and out of those difficult moments and out out of those painful times, then we never fail, we never lose. I believe it makes us stronger. I believe it was Thomas Edison that said, I have not failed at uh, creating electricity 10,000 times. I have only discovered 10,000 ways that electricity cannot be discovered. And you look at Colonel Sanders, Colonel Sanders uh, did not come up with the 11 secret ingredients and recipes until he was 67 years old and he was picked up at the back of the gas station and that's where he sold his few pieces of fried chicken. And now we know this global uh, fried chicken all over the world uh, because he just refused to look at it as failure and changed his perspective, shifted his perspective to now look at it as a learning opportunity. And I just wanna encourage our listeners uh, to do the same thing. I don't know what season of life you may be in, but change your perspective. Don't look at things as you're failing or you're losing, look at things as as you're learning. And as long as you learn, uh, you'll pick up things along the way that make you wiser, that give you more knowledge, that builds your informational bank so that when you leave this season, uh, you can walk into the next season informed about what you can do and about what you shouldn't do.
0: Yeah. Great insight, Tim, because for everyone listening, yeah, we we all have things that, that we're, that we're going after in life and we will, we will indeed will win some, but boy, when we do uh, miss a goal or we step back, it's easy to have that self-talk tell us we are, not only did we fail, but we are a failure and that's a slippery slope. And I, I personally think that's exactly what the darkness or the devil wants us to fall in. Absolutely. I I have
1: this saying Darren, and it's this, the voice that you listen to determines the destiny you experience. If you listen to the wrong voice, you'll start to create a narrative that leads you to the wrong reality. Uh, But as long as you echo the voice of God, you will never be wrong. Think about that for a second. As long as I echo the voice of God, as long as I repeat what God is saying, I am never wrong. Uh, You know, we have a tendency of listening to one of four voices. Uh, The first voice we have a tendency to listen to is the voice of other people, having their voice influence us, telling us what they think we should do, and us carrying out those things. We shouldn't do that. The second voice that we have a tendency of listening to is our own voice, and we think that we know best about our lives and the reality is, is our voice and the direction of our life fluctuates based off of how we feel. And we don't always feel the greatest. The third voice that we we have a tendency of listening to is the voice of the enemy telling us who we're not. And we yeah. have, have this, this idea of becoming the lies that he portrays for us to be. But it's the fourth voice that I believe we should really lean into. And that's the voice of God silencing all of the other three voices and allowing us to hear truth, allowing us to hear and get wisdom, allowing us to lean into knowledge and understanding and revelation so that we can become who he desires for us to be.
0: Yeah. Well said. Well said. You know, I was, I was reading your book. I was on a, a flight um, business trip and I devoured it um, in the plane. And uh, the poor person sitting next to me, I was taking <laughs> notes and I've got so many, you know, dog ears in this thing. And one of the things that, that spoke to me was um, the topic about relational conflict and relational loss. In the friends I'm talking to, and I, one thing I've been really in tune to lately is the amount of pain that people go through with relationships, um, uh, marriages. And, and um, in fact, I'm thinking of a couple examples right now where some people that are really important to me are really going through some pain. You really go right after it and talk about choosing to forgive. Yeah, yeah. And I find that um, in, you do a lot of coaching and working with couples and things. And um, it seems so necessary, but how do, you, how do you do that? Give everyone a little coaching on that about the power of forgiveness.
1: Yeah, when we think of forgiveness, uh, I want us to really view it from this perspective. Forgiveness is not for the other person. Forgiveness is for us to purify, clean, and really right-size our heart. Uh, unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. It just doesn't work. It always leaves toxicity in our spirit, in our heart, in our life, in our soul. And so forgiveness is us uh, saying, I forgive you. Uh, I'm going to work on uh, continuing to forgive you, but I'm going to start the healing process from what has happened in this relationship. Mm -hmm. Uh, And relationships uh, are some of the greatest joys that we ever could have as human beings also some of the greatest pains. Uh, It's almost like when you have a breakdown in relationships, particularly marriages. Uh, I I know this because I have been divorced before. Uh, I got married when I was 20 years old. and, And shortly after that, Uh, probably three years later, that marriage began to break down. That marriage began to be very painful for me. A lot of things uh, that I could not control uh, were done in that marriage. And it's the only time that we mourn someone that is still alive. It's the only time that we mourn something that is still alive. And so, you know, understanding that that pain, you, you can't really put words to it. It's hard to really wrap your hands around. It's difficult to process. And the only way that you can do it is number one, by trusting God with it. And number two, by implementing forgiveness and saying, okay, God, I'm forgiving them, not because they deserve it, because a lot of times they don't deserve it, but because I deserve it. I deserve a life where I'm not being held hostage to someone's prison of pain and hurt that they've tried to put me in. And when I forgive, it takes the key, it unlocks that prison cell, and it allows me out of it for me to have a different
0: perspective. Wise words. And um, you talk about the art of overcoming versus the process of overcoming, two very different things. The process is one that you have to be intentional with. And you use a metaphor of the funeral throughout your entire book. And the very interesting metaphor that really worked, why did you choose to use that metaphor? Well, to be honest with you, Darren, the
1: original title of the book was called The Funeral, but my publishing company thought that it would not appeal to a broader audience. And so I had to go back to the drawing board and think of something that would appeal uh, to a broader group of people, but they wanted me to keep the core message. They loved the message, they did not like the title, and so for me, the message of the book is how God can take uh, dead things and dead situations and dead seasons and dead circumstances and breathe new life into them. And even when we think from the perspective of a funeral, a loved one that we've lost, a family member, a friend that we've lost, when we're at that funeral or that homegoing ceremony, we're not there really talking about the day that they were born, We're not even talking about the day that they died. We're talking about that dash in between their life, the vibrancy of their life. And that's what I pray the art of overcoming does. It reminds us of the vibrancy of life that we have. And although we might be in a season of storms, although we might be in a season of pain, although we might be in a season of grief, that grief is going to run out. And eventually our emotions will follow our thoughts And this book helps us preload our mind with thoughts and understanding of who God is so that eventually our emotions can catch up to
0: it. That's great. You may have just answered the question, but what would you want someone to think or do differently as a result of reading this book?
1: Yeah, I think that my biggest prayer is that people would know it's okay not to be okay, but it is not okay to stay there. You have to get... Uh, a coach, a guide, uh, someone that can walk alongside of you, and for me, that person is the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and you know, He's been with me in the darkest seasons of my life, and and uh, He's lifted me out of uh, ditches and pits, and He's placed me back on my feet. And He desires to do the same thing. There's so much power and richness found in that relationship with Jesus that. Uh, can't always be explained. It can only be experienced. And uh, my prayer is that this book kickstarts that experience for our readers uh, that may be going through a dark and gloomy season to allow them to know that the light still shines and that there is a silver lining on the backside of that storm that is going to break through and shine so radiantly on them.
0: All the pressures we're under right now, especially with social comparison on social media, and and yet... I. I'm interested in you because you have have a massive Instagram following and you also do a lot on online, online churches and online relationships. Reconcile that for me. How do you then um, use online and social media? At the same time, it's a vehicle with which causes people so much so many problems. So um, that's a bad question, but I think you know what I'm trying to ask. I think it's really a a really cool juxtaposition.
1: Yeah, I think anything that we use in an unhealthy way uh, becomes poison. I believe anything that we use in an unhealthy way uh, to really leverage comparison becomes uh, unhealthy. And so the way that I utilize and leverage technology, social media, online, is to inspire, encourage, and equip. Um, and so if you look at my social media, it's full, filled with things that inspire, encourage, equip. And uh, you know, it, it's grown because people are sharing these things that are inspiring to them. And I was talking to a friend of mine and he shared some insight with me. He uh, is the founder of one of the most popular social media platforms. And he explained to me the first wave of social media platforms was successful uh, because it allowed people to follow other people that they thought were influencers. He said the second wave of social media platforms is different and will have longevity because it allows people to follow who they believe are authentic and transparent. And I believe that's the sweet spot for social media I don't want to see who you want people to see you as. I want to see and follow you. And so the more authentic and transparent we can be, the more we let the guard down of painting this picture of perfection and allow people to see, no, if you cut us, we bleed. Uh, There are a lot of imperfect and uh, really uh, not so glamorous things that happen in this life Uh, that we should take people on the journey uh, of us with. And so on my pages, you'll hear me talk about insecurity. You'll hear me talk about how to navigate self-doubt. You'll hear me talk about the different mental hurdles and blocks that I have to navigate every single day because I know that there are many people that are trying to navigate those same waters. And it's difficult when you think you're navigating them alone. And so I had not seen anyone uh, when I was growing up uh, as a pastor, talk about those struggles and talk about those difficulties. And I just wanted to make sure that I created a place and a platform for people that may be searching for that content to find
0: it in a chewable and easy format. That's good. Good. You know, what is the best way to follow you, Tim, and everything that you're up to? Yeah, so
1: One Stop Shop is timtimberlake.tv. And uh, you can find all of my social media handles there. If you're on Instagram, it's T Timberlake. If you're on Twitter, it's Tim Timberlake. If you're on Facebook, it's Pastor T Timberlake. Uh, if you desire to purchase the book, you can go to timtimberlake.tv or theartofovercomingbook.com. And you'll find me and all of my information on one of those uh, five
0: platforms. It's great. So Tim, I, at the end of my, uh, every podcast, I ask, what is your I Dare You challenge for all of us? So I'm interested in this one. You would challenge us to do what, Tim? I dare our listeners
1: to go three days uh, fasting something, pushing something that they love away to be more intentional with how you can overcome. And, you know, it helps us to remove the distractions, focus on how we can strengthen our uh, soul, our spirit, our mind, our emotions, and uh, really become and be transformed into who it is that I know God desires for us to be. It's very hard to do that uh, when we continue to fill our lives, fill our time, fill ourselves with all of the things we want and negate the things that we need. So I dare you take three days to fast something, whether it's a meal, whether it's a TV show, whether it's social media, whatever it is that may be a vice or a time vampire for you, to spend that time strategizing, looking at how you can overcome whatever it is that you may be in. And I guarantee you on the back end of that three days, you'll feel stronger, you'll feel wiser, you'll feel more encouraged than you do right now.
0: That's a great challenge. And I want to thank you very much for being on the podcast, Tim. And I wish you and your ministry all the best. Thank you for being here, sir. Thank you, Darren. This has been great. Okay, that was Tim Timberlake. I'm so grateful he sat down with us for a few minutes you know, he was getting ready to leave for South Africa when he sat down with us for this interview. So I'm grateful. He had a lot going on. What an incredible message. So what did you take from it? What did you get from it? And what are you going to implement today? Now, I mentioned in the interview that I, I bought the book and I read the book on a business trip. It just, It's an incredible read. So I come at this not only listening to the interview, doing the interview, but also reading the book. My biggest takeaway is don't quit. And to embrace the process of overcoming the small setbacks and the big ones. It's not about understanding everything or living without pain, but, but finding these healthy ways to process what hurts and what's strange and what can be devastating and don't quit. So what's it going to be for you? I'll leave that completely up to you. Now, follow us on Instagram at timberlake and also at I Dare You Pod. There you're going to find really great video excerpts of this interview and a whole bunch of other great content you're not going to find anywhere else. I would love to see you there. There you can communicate with me, ask me questions, give me some feedback. So I'd love to see you there. So now that you listened to Tim and his message of overcoming, who needs to hear this message? Take the extra step. You're thinking of somebody, aren't you? Maybe a few people. Don't put it off till tomorrow or next week. You're going to forget about it right now forward this to someone else. Join us on Instagram and share the reel on your Instagram network. Tag us on your Instagram. Let's get this word out. Thanks for tuning in to episode 77. Next week, episode 78. And I am the guest. I cannot wait for this. I have not taken a a solo flight on I Dare You podcast in far too long. I've had so many episodes I want to get out in the wilds for you to listen to and to share. So next week, it's my turn. Thank you for being here. Have a great week. I'll see you back here next week on the I Dare You podcast. I'll see you then.